Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on Deep Background, we'll talk about the area's economic response to the COVID pandemic and what's going on with housing prices in Johnson County. I'm Dave Helling of the Stars Editorial Board, and you are on Deep Background. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for the 13th of October, 14th, somewhere in there, mid-October, let's put it that way. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Stars editorial board and Derek Donovan, uh, my friend and colleague on the board, uh, joining us. And Kevin Hardy of the Star, a great reporter, uh, uh, giving us a few minutes of his time to talk about a couple of really interesting and important stories that may be uh, throbbing in the background of an election season. We're also focused on candidates and issues that the uh, maybe we miss the news of the day that goes on. And yet Kevin's had two great stories about things we should pay attention to. So, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Let's start out with, uh, with the story about how local economists, business people, see Kansas City's recovery, economic recovery, from the COVID pandemic. We are now eight or nine months, whatever the time frame is, from when we all shut down and went home and reopened and didn't reopen. And the economic impact, I think, is broadly felt, but not maybe completely understood. Tell us what you've learned and what 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 the experts see in our, our community. Yeah, thanks, Dave. There's really, you know, good news and bad news for Kansas City here. The 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 best and brightest spot is just this idea that our recovery is happening faster than expected, faster than, than the nation at large. That is pretty big news for Kansas City. Kansas City had a very sluggish recovery from the Great Recession, years and years behind um, the expansion that the rest of the country had. So on one hand, it's really um, bright news that jobs are recovering here faster than in lots of other places, and the outlook is fairly positive on that. But um, here, as in everywhere else, the, this, uh, this recession has been so different. It's not affecting everyone across the board. It's affecting really low-income workers, the heaviest, the ones who can really least afford it the most. Talk to us about that. Yeah, talk to us about that first, because I think we're not unique in that, are we, Kevin? That The no. idea that the restaurant workers, the hotel workers, you know, those kinds of folks face much more, and the ones, by the way, who can't work from home, uh, you know, have to actually physically go to a place, they seem to be disproportionately hurt and maybe into the future by COVID. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah, I mean, we some of the estimates out there show that you know middle class and high high wage workers are really at this point are now almost unaffected by this recession. The really lowest earners they're being hit the hardest. It's the ones like you said that work at restaurants, retail, service industry. Uh, those industries are really expected to take a long, long time to recover, um, and that is really the biggest one of the biggest threats with this recovery is that we see this persistent unemployment among those workers at a time when they're when the stimulus funds designed for them has really fizzled up and there's there's really um, looks like not a lot of hope coming from DC at the moment. Right. And I think that's, you know, one of the things we have to keep in mind is that money moves. You know, you, when, you, when you pay the restaurant worker, when you pay the retail worker, when you pay the, the, the body shop mechanic, whatever, he or she takes that money and spends it on other things. And that moves through the economy. That's how it works. And so you can't presumably... Uh, exist forever with sort of a, a you know a, a band of the employment the workforce uh, permanently or semi permanently unemployed can you Kevin right I mean that's that's very true that you know especially on the lower end um, lower you know lower earners are more likely to spend than save and that money circulates through the economy economy multiple times and I think you know one way that we're seeing that play out is with small businesses. I mean, the numbers on small businesses are really quite profound. I mean, still through, I think, September, um, you know, they're estimating that Kansas City small business revenue is down 20% um, since the beginning of the year. So that's a really big, that's a really big deal for those businesses depend on that, you know, local spending. You you said earlier that the good news is that Kansas City is basically recovering more quickly than maybe other parts of the country. Why is that? Do we know? You know, I think the best sort of thought out there is that it's our industry mix here. Kansas City is really pushing hard the idea that, you know, we are going to be a hub for warehousing and logistics and distribution jobs, e-commerce. And and you are seeing projects like that increasingly come on board. So folks expect that that's part of um, why jobs are recovering here. You've also got this heavy um, concentration of construction, architecture, design firms, and that, those segments of the economy are doing better than, you know, hotels or restaurants or tourism. So you, you have some strength there that's helping the area right now. Yeah. Would stimulus help improve that situation or would a, whatever they come up with, let's just, just broadly say stimulus from the federal government, would that, I mean, that, that did help Kansas City, didn't it, in the early day, months of this and another package would presumably help again? Right. I mean, it's harder to speak for the, the higher earners, what they do with their stimulus funds, but I think it's fairly well understood that the unemployment, the expanded unemployment benefits were really crucial for lots of folks. And that really helped pay their rent, pay their car payments, keep food on the table. And now that's what's really um, gone away. It wasn't so much the $1,200 stimulus check that kept people going. It was that expanded unemployment benefit for quite some time. And, you know, they haven't had that since July um, from the federal government. So that's really becoming now, that now presents a housing crisis in the, in the future, an eviction crisis, those sorts of things may be yeah. sort of the fallout of that circumstance. And, and pay, uh, pay tech, uh, paycheck protection helped too, didn't it? I mean, we, and I think you did some stories and 
I did some tweeting when the when the spreadsheet came out, and a lot of very recognizable Kansas City names applied for that forgivable loan in order to keep people on payroll. That was also beneficial, wasn't it? Right. That really helped a lot of those small businesses, which have that, you know, have had that huge hit to their bottom line. So that was definitely important. And obviously a big part of that was aimed at keeping people on the payroll. So that helped keep people employed from those small businesses. Now, what what impact, let's assume that sort of the current situation continues, maybe there is no stimulus. What impact does this have on government revenue? I mean, are things brighter maybe at City Hall, Kevin, than we might have thought because the economy is still, you know, chugging along better than one anticipated or, and not just Kansas City, Missouri, but all, all municipalities and state governments. You know, I think I've been writing this for some time that the hammer was, you know, the sword of Damocles was, was still out there. But the good news, you know, states are reporting revenue that seems relatively stable. Um, schools are opening. Uh, you know, City Hall looks at major cuts, but maybe not as major as they once thought. I mean, I, 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 it's more of a global question. Are things better than we think sort of globally? And does that impact then decisions we make in the fourth quarter and the first part of next year? I think that you're seeing a little bit of a mixed story out there. I do think, um, you know, some cities, at first Kansas City was really not expecting huge budget hits, and now we've already seen some really deep cuts. Um, But like you said, it may not be as bad as people suspected. In, In the sales tax data, you see that, you know, grocery stores and online sales are really doing really well but you still have big parts of the economy like restaurants and bars and hospitality that their sales tax numbers have taken a nosedive. Um, but the hotel big, and restaurant tax money takes right. a nosedive. All the money we were going to get from the Lowe's hotel is not, sure, is not coming in. And, and, you know, and, power and, and lights not generating yeah. revenue yeah. Yeah. the way it would have. But the biggest sort of threat I think here is that if the current situation stays the way it is without a stimulus or without something changing, that's going to prolong the recovery for years longer. So that means that it's not just one year of budget cuts at City Hall. It could be three, four, five years of budget cuts. Um, and that really quick recovery is really further out of sight the, lo- the longer those low-income workers go without some sort of support. Right. And Derek, we know this, if you want to jump in, but the earnings tax is also an issue here because you, in essence, that taxes commuters. And if you have more people working from home and you know, working uh, virtually, digitally, uh, earnings tax revenues will, will, will shrink and, and refunds will be applied for. And that's, the, you know, Kansas City in some ways, I wouldn't say unique, but that's, you know, St. Louis, of course, has the same problem. That seems like something we need to overcome. Derek, you want to talk about that a little bit? And- well, it's, it's a significant portion. What's the percentage of the general funds, the, the earnings tax? Well, it's about, it can be 30 or 40, but it's like $250 million. Yeah. Uh, right, so- it's, it's roughly a, the best way to think about it, a third, a third, a third, right. a third earnings, a third sales, a third property, and other other taxes. And, of course, the reality, too, though, is it, it's going to take a concerted effort for most people to get that money back, and a lot of people aren't going to do it. Well, we'll see, Kevin, and that's really the un, the great variable, isn't it, in Kansas City, that, that you know, you get sales, you get property to a certain degree, which is a little more stable, but but the earnings tax you know, is $250 million cash on the barrel head. 
Right. And the interesting thing about that is that it's not like a sales tax or a property tax where it's just a potential for declining revenue in the future. It's the, actually the idea is Kansas city will have to cut checks at the end of the year to, to actively take money that they've already collected away. And um, you know, they like to joke that the, the more we talk about it, the bigger of a problem it becomes because it's the, the big question is how many people will do that, but it's a, it's a substantial amount of money for, for many folks. And the longer they work at home, you know, outside of the outside of the city limits, the longer, the more incentive they have to file. I, I've talked, I live in Lenexa and uh, you know, uh, if I spend a week out of Kansas city to cover a convention, I will, I'm not going to file for that, even though I would be eligible, but if I don't go to work for nine months or 10 months, that's a whole, you know, almost a whole year's worth of earnings tax. Then it is worth my while uh, to try and get some of that money back. And Kevin, that that opens the broader issue, which is that is a long-term concern, isn't it? Because if people, you know, if we all go back to work, great. But if we don't, if this whole idea of working from home catches on and and law firms do, you know, have fewer people coming in and architecture firms and and you know, life insurance adjusters, all that. Th- then Kansas City really, really does have to look at how it fundamentally taxes people. Right. I mean, if if people don't go back to work in large volume to H and R Block, to Stern, or to law firms, that's going to be that's going to present really big questions for the future for a city that, like you said, is, has di- to some you know, in so, to some extent, has diversified its budget by including that in it and not being so reliant on property tax like some of the other suburban communities are, but um, it's really, you know, Kansas city is about half a million people in a Metro of 2 million people. So yeah, yeah. it really relies on a lot of those people who commute into the city for work. Yeah, the best way to understand it, Derek, is the earnings tax basically pays for the police department. I mean, it's basically the budget is, you know, what, whatever the city collects in, in earnings tax is almost a dollar for dollar for what the police budget is. And if, of course, you lose 80% of your earnings tax, the pressure on the budget will just be phenomenal over time. It's just not a one-year hit if, indeed, people stay home. And, Kevin, we're reading all kinds of stories now about businesses telling employees, you know, don't come back until the summer of 2021. And and uh, I think maybe – we I don't think we've had an official announcement at the newspaper, but that seems – more likely than not that they'll say, hey, we're just going to keep working from home beyond the end of the year. So that's really what planners have to worry about. And again, that has a ripple effect. You know, if you have to cut the city budget, fewer roads, fewer construction jobs, less earnings tax. I mean, that's just the classic downward spiral that you worry about. Yeah. And, you know, something that is sort of easy to forget and is, you know, people coming into work downtown or South Kansas city or wherever it is, they're spending money along the way. They're, they're stopping for coffee. They're eating lunch out. They're filling up their cars with gas. They're getting their dry cleaning. So there really is so, so many parts of the economy are built around the idea of going to work and leaving home for eight, nine, 10 hours a day. So lots of those businesses are still really waiting for people to get, to get back out there. Janitorial services, security, services, all of those things have been really affected by the work. I mean, I I drove into downtown Kansas City today on an errand and the streets are, you know, half what they used to be with cars. Let let me ask you this, um, and then we'll take a break and come back to your other story. Do we have a sense of when we will know for sure 
what COVID has made? I mean, do we have to wait another 90 days to get a clearer picture of what it means in terms of the local economy? Or do we have a pretty good sense now that whatever's going to happen is baked in the cake and we can't get out of it? I, I think that we don't know. I mean, you see a fundamental realignment right now with the higher end of, of earners sort of coming out of this okay and the lower end, not so much. The big question though is, is how much has changed? Will we go back to work? Will we, you know, will dry cleaners become a thing of the past? Will well, and just, to, and, and, and in addition to that, will COVID be defeated? I be mean, control, because right. you, you can have all the, but people aren't going to eat in restaurants until they think it's safe, you know, or go to a right. concert or go to a ball game. So I think, we just don't know. And that's something the economists say that this is so much different than any other sort of downturn is that there isn't, there isn't a playbook. There isn't really history to chart because if a vaccine becomes available at the beginning of next year and it's widely successful, that could really change things. But if it takes another year, if the virus gets out of control, that could also change things for the negative. So we just really don't have a sense of when things will sort of get totally better. I mean, the economists now say, the recovery from here on out is much more slow going, much more kind of um, just a trickling up as things get a little bit incrementally better. But, yeah, but we should be clear too. I think in April or May, a lot of us thought the depression was on the doorstep. I mean, you know, when you lose, you know, a third of the economy in a month or whatever the numbers were, the idea of a really a depression-like slowdown was clearly on the table and in part maybe because of stimulus and maybe because of other things like the ability to work digitally, uh, we really did dodge, it seems, that bullet, notwithstanding right. the folks who really have been impacted. We don't want to, you know, short them that that reality. But but the idea of, a you know, a, a Dust Bowl-like, you know, the images I think we all had, that did not happen. Right. And I, I do remember early on as, as the unemployment claims were just skyrocketing, we were hearing from, you know, nurses, physical therapists, marketing managers, all kinds of professional white collared people who had been furloughed or laid off. And it felt very much more like the 08 recession where it really hit. Right. But by now it's become clear that those have, have largely been, those have largely rebounded and you're seeing hiring in those sectors. And it's really, one segment of the economy that that's feeling it the most all right great let's take a break when we come back we'll talk about the flip side of this coin <laughs> housing prices in johnson county going through the roof <laughs> you're on deep background this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a deep background listener. 
By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to the star for $1.99 total. That's right, you get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So, go grab your computer or mobile device and head to kansascity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. Back now on Deep Background, Dave Helling with Kevin Hardy and Derek Donovan. Well, let's talk about the flip side of the coin for about 10 minutes, Kevin. <laughs> you had a story that suggested home prices are going through the roof. In Johnson County, demand is up, inventory is low. I have a little experience. My daughter refinanced her house, and her uh, her appraisal was up about forty grand from when they bought it two years ago because she did it now because because the price of a home in Johnson County, particularly Kansas, has really gone up. What's going on, and what what's it all about? Well, I mean, I think it's important to note that the housing market here has been really climbing since before the pandemic. We did a story in December about, you know, how price inflation here was really outpacing lots of bigger cities like Denver and, and Nashville, some of those places that you think of as boom towns. And so part of that might have just been us kind of up to what was happening in other big metropolitan areas. But uh, the really basic, the basic thing here is supply and demand. And for months now, there's just been very limited supply, but very high demand for home buying. Why is the supply down? Because we're not building as many homes or, or because people are staying put? A little bit of both. The home building has, has rebounded more this year. And over the last few years, those numbers have been somewhat lower, I think, than, than realtors would like to see. Um, but it's really in that starter home and more modest home where if you build a $400,000 house that doesn't help somebody who's looking someone who's looking for a $200,000 house. Right, right. Um, and you do see people staying in their homes longer. Um, and you see people now more than ever are wanting a home, you know, working from home, they need spare rooms for off offices and kids learning virtually. So I think just the whole idea of what a home is has become very much more in the last eight months. In fact, our buddy Eric Adler had a story in the Star today about this very concept that one of the winners, if you will, from the COVID pandemic has been carpenters and painters and, and uh, you know, landscape architects because people are paying much more attention to their home. But do we have a sense that the, the, the equilibrium will return to the market in Johnson County anytime soon? I mean, the, the, it's always been my experience around here that there are dips, but it doesn't seem like there's a permanent boom, just more of a steady increase. And that equilibrium is found and home builders go out and there's more inventory. It happens to be halfway to Oklahoma, but there is a place to buy another home. Um, is, is equilibrium on the way in your view? I don't know that, um, you know, I think that Johnson County home prices are always going to outpace the rest of the area. But if, any, if nothing else, I would think the percentage or the, the rate of inflation would slow at least. I don't think it's going to go down. I think the demand is still very strong. And like we were talking about earlier, it's those kinds of, it's lawyers and doctors and professionals that have not been, you know, widely unemployed or affected by this economy. Home buyers are the ones that, that are, you know, still, still able to spend money. And especially if they're working at home, if they're keeping their kids at home, if they're avoiding restaurants and 
is, you know, they're, they're willing to spend on the right kinds of properties and they're going, they're going really fast and at or above list prices right now. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it's not just Johnson County. I live North of the river and my neighbors put their house on the market a few weeks ago and it was on, on sale maybe 45 seconds until they had an offer oh. at full price. It was crazy. Two, two, two doors down from me at a, at a, at a list price that shocked the conscience. <laughs> and we said, Oh, that's interesting. And we looked at it on Zillow or whatever. And literally the next day, a contract apparently had been written. So the fever won't break anytime soon, it looks like. I don't think so, unless something fundamentally changes in the economy. If, you know, if we see something like the 08 recession where, you know, high income workers are being laid off in masses, then that might sort of shake out the home market. But um, it really hasn't, it hasn't happened. I mean, we've, people thought there were going to be deals to be had in in March and April in the housing market. And that just never happened. The prices only have gone up. The other part of your story that we need to pay attention to, and I said this on Channel 19 last week, is uh, affordable housing is more and more difficult to find for teachers, for nurses, for retail workers, for young families. It's almost to a place where you can't live in Johnson County, uh, even if you work there. Is that what you found, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge concern. And it, the the stories of a young family finding that starter home in, in Johnson County that they can afford on a, you know, on a relatively modest income are just, you hear fewer and fewer of those nowadays. It's just very hard to get in um, at, at an affordable rate. I mean, one realtor told us some people you know, are spending $350,000 in their first home purchase. That's the first time you know, that's their first time purchase. So that, that tells you really the price of getting in is just so high. And especially at that $250, $200 price point, those are just very hard to find. Right. And the resistance to affordable housing politically is very strong in Johnson County. And, you know, apartments, anything that would, that would re- reduce the load, uh, it's very, very hard to get that through the hump. Yeah, I mean, you just see it all the time with big projects being proposed and lots of neighborhood um, animosity towards them. I mean, some folks we talked to said that some of those attitudes are shifting and that folks are becoming a little more, um, you know, as people think about diversity and inclusivity, that that's, those attitudes may be changing. But we have not seen a widespread adoption of affordable housing projects in Johnson County. And even when Sometimes when we see objections to apartments, they're high-end apartments, they're luxury, but they're not right. necessarily something you would call affordable. So, and, and the cities are still interested in incentivizing retail development and office building development, but much more reluctant, it seems, to incentivize affordable housing. That's, that's been my experience. Yeah, I think, you know, that's another area that may, there may be some shifting attitudes, um, from a purely just pocketbook standpoint, a city land and think, well, this could have four single family homes on it, or it could have 40 apartments on it. And you talk about the investment in infrastructure and in city services. Um, there's kind of this growing argument among developers and architects and the community sort of thought leaders that maybe it's better to go dense, you know, you get more bang for your buck. Right don't spend as much on roads and sewers and water pipes as they do right. 
big single family developments, but I don't know. And, 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 you know, we're about out of time, but wrapped into that is transportation and getting to and from places, although that is changing because of COVID. So we're just in a, just a fascinating time for all of these stories, Kevin, and your reporting has been great on it. And I appreciate you coming by. We're about out of time. I need to go sell my house, obviously, because <laughs> it'll never be worth more than it is right now. So I need to put up the sign. But we appreciate you coming in for the podcast. Thanks so much, Kevin Hardy. And my good friend, Derek Donovan, uh, with the STARS Editorial Board, joining us for this uh, discussion today on two great stories about COVID and about housing uh, in Johnson County, Kansas. I'm Dave Helling. You've been on Deep Background. Mm-hmm.